Well, hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tarvalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Rand thought that surely no night sky elsewhere could be as beautiful as the Two River sky. The clear black seemed to reach forever, and myriad stars gleamed like points of light scattered through crystal. The moon, only a thin slice less than full, appeared almost close enough to touch if he stretched and... That's where I'll end that quote. (laughs) (laughs) And what a great quote it is. Hello. I think it's fun to... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Say hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello and welcome back. (laughs) I'm here with my friend Tracy. I'm here with my friend Amber. And this is The Road to Tarvalin, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today we are moving forward with our Eye of the World recap, reread, whatever it is that it is that we're doing with the Eye of the World right now. That's what we're focused on. That's that. I really don't know how else to promote it. I'm like, we're just doing these chapters today, and I hope you stick around to listen. <laughs> that's really that's really my whole endeavor. But before we start in, I just really, I really want to put out there that we have a new merch shop, and I love it. I think it's just darling, and it has so many wonderful designs. And I maybe shouldn't say darling, because I know we have a lot of, like... Some of it is not very darling. Like, no, <laughs> Lord, Lord of no. Chaos isn't darling. <laughs> when you put it on your little kid, it is. But You know what? I realized we need to put it on a onesie, too. <laughs> is it not already on one? Because I don't know. <laughs> we can make that happen. <laughs> we can, and we absolutely should. Like, I was just thinking of all those moments where Lord of Chaos, like, just... Anyway, there are some really fun designs. The Wolf Brother one is one of my favorites. Shout out to Adrian who got that one in purple. It's... And she posted a picture on Twitter with her beautiful long braid, and it is glorious. Yeah, it tur- I think that t-shirt turned out really nicely. It looked really sharp. So thank you. Thank you, Adrian, for ordering it, for showing it off. Um, I think right now our most popular item is the Wisdom of Emmons Field Design. And I know I ordered it in a tote, but I've been surprised at how many other people got that in a tote. And I just hope they're going to do the same thing I'm going to do with it, which is fill it with books. <laughs> <laughs> or herbs or something. <laughs> or herbs. Yeah, take it to the, the farmer's market yeah. and fill it with all kinds of like preserved jams and shit. I don't know. But I love that so many people got that design on a bag because I just think it's super cool. Yeah. Enough for shameless I- self-promotion. But it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend. Okay. So let's move. We're going to jump right into chapter seven out of the woods. And for anyone who has forgotten, like I had, um, <laughs> like I picked it up and I was like, oh, right. He's still, still trudging, trudging along. along. <laughs> Twin brain. Twin brain. I love it when that happens. So poor Rand, he is 
like simultaneously numb and in pain and he's pulling Tam along and Tam hasn't spoken or muttered anything for a while and he begins to smell smoke that he assumes is chimney smoke but then realizes he's still too far away and of course as he gets into the village his worst fears are realized like the book says charred piles of rubble stood in the places of half the houses of Emmons Field and I think like one of the things that I kind of forgot as well because it's me and I forget everything (laughs) is that this is like this is winter night so technically this dawn is supposed to be Beltine and I know like we just talked about that but all of the chaos with the Trollocs and the things I was just like it's gonna be the best Beltine ever (laughs) false 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 this one's pretty bad Anyway, the first person that, like, Rand comes across is Harold Lujan, who sees Rand dragging Tam and helps him, and Egwene is flagged down, and Rand notices that she is a mess of soot and poorly buttoned clothing, which I think is a is a good observation. Like, Egwene's a really tidy kind of person, so with her buttons being undone, it, like, just shows what kind of a hurry she mm-hmm. was in, and, like... She's startled. She's a little off balance. I can imagine being awakened in the night and just having to throw on whatever you can, not being able to see or light a candle and missing buttons and not knowing yeah, what's going on. Exactly. Like the the their world suddenly became chaos and violence and it's not anything anyone in this village ever expected to happen there. Like We've already had that buildup of this being like Shire land, happy bounty people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this is very off the beaten path for them. And one of the things that Rand says that kind of like stood out to me is him in this days saying the like all the stories are real. And wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they are. So. Egwene goes to get Nynaeve. Nynaeve comes back and basically she says there's nothing she can do for him. Like, Tam's going to die and there's nothing she can do for him. And Rand, of course, is very upset. And Nynaeve, this is one of those moments where, like, her youth really speaks to me where she's, like, what, 24-ish? And she has to face someone and say, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do and this is, for the yeah. person you love. She's one person in a city where she's having to do triage and looking at people and saying, okay, I can save them and them, but all of these other people, it's just not going to happen. You have to pick exactly. and choose. There's only one. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, she has she a Gwen helping. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and that's a, I mean, this, this system could be better. Maybe they need more than just one person who knows how to do these things. But this is what they have. And poor Nynaeve, like, this is where I really feel for her. This is also where Elizabeth Luhan becomes one of my heroes. uh, God, she is the best. Don't you just love her? This is one of my favorite quotes from, I think, this book, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Where she's like, where, what is it that he says? Master Luhan says that she took, was it a hammer? I think it was a frying pan, wasn't it? Like a big pan? I don't remember. remember. But she was like, she's out 
wandering about looking for any remaining Trollocs that might be left over. Like, yeah, the creator save them if she finds them first because <laughs> she is not having it. Yep, Alsbet exactly. is just yeah, she's the best. Everyone needs an Alsbet in their life. Yeah, I agree completely. If I get a dog, can I name it Alsbet? <gasps> oh my god, you absolutely should. You should. I'm trying to see if I can find that real quick, but... What's a good nickname for Owl's but Betty? <laughs> can you imagine? Here, Betty. Here, girl. That's adorable, though. That would be so cute. Oh, here it is. The way they came after my house in the forge, you'd have thought I had I had gold and jewels in there. Alice cracked one skull with a frying pan. She took one look at the ashes of our house this morning and set out hunting around the village with the biggest hammer she could dig out of what's left of the vo- of the forge, just in case any of them hid instead of running away. <laughs> Do not fuck I with could... this woman. <laughs> I could almost pity the thing if she finds one. <laughs> I want my husband to say shit like that about me. <laughs> like I I love I love these people in Emmonsfield so much. They are so strong and snarky and realistic in most ways. Anyway, Nynaeve delivers this devastating news and Rand decides that if Nynaeve can't help. The next place to go to is the mayor, and the mayor will certainly be able to help him. And so he drags the litter with Tam. I think uh, Master Luhan has kind of like gone off to go do something else and is like, good luck, boy, but mm-hmm. not very hopeful. Um But when he approaches the inn, the peddler's wagon has been burned to barely more than blackened iron wheel rims leaning against the charred wagon box. And I love the image of that. Like, it's just all these charred and blackened and Mm -hmm. burned things. And, like, you can just think of the smoke through the air. This is something that I think the TV show is going to have a lot of fun with, just showing this devastation. Yep. I think I think it's going to be a really cool scene. I think it's going to set and I mean this is what the book does too. I think it's going to set the scene for a lot of the dark stuff that's coming our way. Like this is really just the beginning of this descent into mm-hmm. the darker days that are coming. So Tom happens to be sitting outside. He jumps down to help Rand. And I love that he doesn't even offer help. He just does it he just grabs it he's like of course you need help let's get him inside let's get him to the mayor we will get the wisdom it's also and kind of showing how spry tom is like right he, he did a backflip earlier action. and then now he's just like you know i'm just gonna jump in get his hands dirty yeah yeah he doesn't seem to mind at all and like dashes off to go find nagni like everything about him feels kind of quick and purposeful it does and thought out yeah like limber I just, yeah <laughs> so bran offers to help with tam they get him upstairs and into a bed in all of this ran doesn't get an opportunity to tell them that nynaeve has already seen tam mm-hmm. and so when tom comes back he's like why didn't you tell us 
and I just wanted to point this out because in case you were wondering, like we know that the cow and Bella were missing. It's okay. Bella ran into the village ahead of uh, Rand and Tam, but that also made everybody think that Tam and Rand were probably dead, and now Tam is probably going to die. Anyways, yeah. Um, Exactly. So Tom subtly, like, he. God, I love him. I know, right? So great. He's like tapping out his pipe and like. This is just like some like reverse psychology shenanigans. Yeah, he planted a like a a seed bomb in in their brains. (laughs) Exactly. Like he made Bran kind of think through everything because at this point, Rand still does not know that Moraine is an Aes Sedai. And then Bran is like, oh yeah, by the way, Moraine is is an Aes Sedai. Um, and so Tom had like subtly moved the conversation around to this being the topic of conversation. And Bran says about lightning, um, she called balls, she called balls, ball, ball lightning. She called mm-hmm. ball lightning. Is that what it says? Yeah, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. (laughs) It's a real thing. Okay. Balls lightning. (laughs) Lightning balls. It sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like a sports drink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. That's really funny. Uh, She called ball lightning out of a clear night sky. And Master Lan was a whirlwind with that sword of his. His sword, the man himself, is a weapon. And I love that we get that, like, just real quick. Mm -hmm. This is what Jordan does well, is even when he spends, like, three pages in the woods, you get these, like, quick descriptions of who people are. Uh, Rand, of course, is unsettled about the fact that Moraine is an Aes Sedai. But then the mayor is like, oh, right, she can do stuff. She can yeah. heal people. I'm so they've dumb. Been, and they've been going like, around in circles. <laughs> and then it finally hits him. Yeah. And he's like, Tom, why didn't you like just flat out say that? And he's like, well, I just figured it was a better idea if it came from you. Like, I'm like, Tom, so smart, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Rand, let's see here. Did I get this right? Oh, <laughs> This is what I mean about how snarky the people in Emmons Field are. So while Rand is having this conversation with Bran and Rand is experiencing this discomfort at finding out that Maureen is an Aes Sedai, Bran says, did you think they wore signs Aes Sedai painted across their backs and maybe danger stay away? <laughs> Don't they kind of wear signs like? If you know what to look for. The ring is a big, like, it's kind of a, hello. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) A water water cloak. Little Ewan knew that something was going on, but no one else did. Yeah. Like, so I think it's really funny that he's kind of being snarky. And at the same time, you could just return it. Bran, you don't know everything. And I mean, really, Moraine wasn't trying to hide who she was. Like, she didn't use a fake name. She wore her ring. And Mm -hmm. she, like, never really had her... She wasn't trying to hide her face, you know? So she wasn't trying to hide. So then Rand runs from the inn to go search for Moraine. And she's, of course, hanging out where all of the Trollic corpses are being burned. And when Rand observes her, he thinks her face was tired, but her dark eyes were a hawk's eyes. I said I... 
breakers of the world. Bum, bum, bum. Mm-hmm. Like you just feel this moment of power just in like that little. But again, like, I would be afraid. Still, still very suspicious why Rand thinks that the Aes Sedai are the breakers of the world and not male mm-hmm. channelers. I'm, these people are just very confused. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of like things that aren't quite lined up correctly in how people look and see things. Mm-hmm. Like Tom had said something about like Luce Theron being the breaker of the world or something. We talked about it last episode, I think. But regardless, like they all need a history lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> History's important, guys. Anyway, she seems pleased slightly relieved that rand has shown up i think she says something along the lines of like there another spot of light in the darkness or something like that but then she asks him how are your dreams which what like it mm-hmm. makes him stop it made me stop too like I think the first time I read it, I just kind of blew past it because I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. Why would she even ask that question? This doesn't have anything to do with anything. Mm -hmm. But he gets past that and is like, hey, my dad is going to die and I hear you do things like heal people. Will you help me? And she agrees and he tries to like rush them off to the inn. And of course, she can't move real fast because she's been healing all night and whatever. But this like attempt of rants to push Moraine doesn't go over great with Lan, who's probably hating the goat kissing village more by the minute. So <laughs> isn't that the vibe you get from yeah. Lan though? Yeah. Like she's over her it. And, yeah, he's been done with it since before they got there. Like he's ready to I, I just thought GTFO. it was really, Seriously. Yeah. He's like, are we done yet? Let's go. Don't make me turn this car around. Okay. <laughs> That's Don't all make I have me turn chapter. Mandarb around. <laughs> I actually, I need to take a picture of this. I have a tiny black Lego horse in my my planter with my bonsai tree. It's Mandarb. <laughs> I have a little Lego Mandarb. I love it. I need a tiny Lego land now. I need to go through Arthur's Legos and see what I can find. I have one that's me. Have I ever shown you my Lego mini? This is really I have cute. one too. Oh, I like yours. She's a little archaeologist with glasses, and she's oh, that is you. (laughs) We got Simon's niece a set once, and there's a girl with my hair, and she's like hanging in a hammock. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) We even asked it. No, we just got one for ourselves. (laughs) We just got another one. But we asked her, and he was like, Lena, where's Amber? And she just held it up. (laughs) Like, here, this is her. Uh, All right. A place of safety. And I'm going to go a little bit quick because we've got quite a few chapters to get through. So here's the setting. Rand, Moraine, and Lan arrive back at the inn to find a very sick Tam. And Moraine is doing her thing and starting to heal him. And while this is going on, Lan questions Rand about the sword he is wearing because it's kind of a weird thing for a shepherd to have a sword. And Lan asks if there's a heron mark blade on it or a heron mark on it. And Rand's like, yeah, check it out. And then we get 
Lan remarking that a heron means it's for a master swordsman. So That's right. Rand is feeling guilty over not sharing his alarm for the cloaked rider soon enough, so he asks Moraine if it would have helped had he had told her about it sooner. Yeah. And Moraine kind of eases his conscience here and tells him that even if she would have had a month's notice, it wouldn't have made a difference because she's just one person. Yeah. She would have needed six of her Aes Sedai sisters if she would have, you know, wanted to make a real change with it, but... You yeah. know, it, nothing could have been done. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of a nice, like, little maternal moment with Moraine. Um, as cold as she can be described earlier, just, like, having hawk's eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell she was kind of soothing him. Yeah, and there's she an attempt also to says, Yeah, yeah. And she says um, she should have been clued in on by the odd behavior of the ravens. And she also kind of is like looking at Lan like, yeah, and you should have noticed that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then we get some nice explanations from Lan, a lesson with Lan uh, about (laughs) carrion eaters, which basically he's telling us, the readers, via Rand, You know, ravens and crows and rats, scavengers are used as spies for the Dark Ones. So in an alternate timeline, if hyenas were (laughs) in the stories, I guess they would be spies for the Dark Ones as well. I actually have a theory on that. The hyenas (laughs) are in Shara. They are in Shara! (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's where... That's where they are. They're hanging out in Shara. I thought of that when I read over your notes, and I was like, I'm saving that. Put it in your pocket. So Moraine explains Tam's wounds were, again, another lesson via Moraine, that Tam's wounds were made from a weapon forged in Thakandar. And this is the slopes of Shalgul. And this... Blade carries an evilness with it. So Tam's wound has been festering for too long and it's become worse. So she needs assistance in healing him. And then she uses her robed woman, Angrial, to finish healing Tam. Yeah. And just to point out, this is our first Angrial that we see in the series. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but these are devices that can amplify the power of a channeler. Yeah. So we have a quick chat again between Rand and Lan about the cloaked rider, and Lan explains it was a merdral, and then (laughs) Rand was like, yeah, and I talked to a trollic, (laughs) and Lan is like, excuse me, what? And then he commends Rand on killing it, saying very few have ever killed a Trolloc unaided. Yep. So as Moraine finishes healing Tam, she needs to rest, and Rand says he will do just about anything for her, and he's very uh, overwhelmed, and he's looking to her like, what are you, Jesus, the Savior? (laughs) Like... You've done some amazing work, and she tells Rand that, sorry, but you need to leave your village. And Rand doesn't understand why, but then we learn that the only places that were attacked were the homes of Matt and Perrin, and then Perrin's place of work, the Luhan Forge. Mm -hmm. So 
the Trollocs were hunting men of a certain age, and Land compares the night in the two rivers as like a full on Trolloc borderlands attack. Yep, yeah. And I did like this because more exposition, we are learning what the borderlands are and we are learning that they are a dangerous place. And we are also learning that the two rivers is very far away from anywhere that would see these types of attacks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the previous chapter, it's at, like when they were dragging the Trolloc corpses to the fire, land was going through them, and it was like there are this many, like five fists of Trollocs mm-hmm. or like different things. And I think Maureen says there haven't been that many this far south of the Blight since the Trolloc Wars. So yeah. absolutely, totally, 100% unusual. Yeah, so something little... A little strange is going on here. Mm-hmm. And he also thinks it's odd because it would have taken the Trollocs a lot of effort to make it this far past, you know, the mountains of mist and all of the rivers mm-hmm. that are surrounding the two rivers. So it's not an easy place to get to. Yeah. And he's not sure how they managed to do it without being found. Right. Or yeah. seen by anyone else. Yeah. So... They explain to Rand that Tarvalin is the only safe place for him. And I think that this is interesting because she was like, here in Tarvalin, they have the knowledge to where we can figure out what's going on with this situation. Moray knows what's going on. She doesn't have to, you know what I mean? Like, she knows. She knows. Rand wants, Rand wants to tell Tam goodbye, but Moraine says that he can only leave him a note she will go find Matt and Perrin and tell them that they must leave also. Before going, she tells Rand to get some rest because they are going to be need they're, they're gonna be needed to be ready to go come nightfall. nightfall. Yeah. So before sleeping, Master Alvier confirms what Moraine had told Rand about whose farms had been attacked. Mm-hmm. He also says that the Trollocs seemed just as confused to find a warder and an Aes Sedai in the village as the village was to find (laughs) Trollocs. So so before sleeping, Rand decides he's going to go against Moraine's wishes and he's going to tell Tam that he's leaving. That was beautifully done. Why, thank you. You're welcome. I need to to work on my succinctness. I'm very bad at it. Uh, So chapter... (laughs) Chapter nine is tellings of the wheel. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it out for what it is. Rand is stumbling his way through a nightmare, and it's weird and awful. And I mostly put down like how terrible this is to the amount of running that he has to do because gross. I hate running, and I don't know if I would do it, but he seems like he has to, of course, because there are mm-hmm. Trollocs chasing him in this nightmare extra nightmare so first he's filled with terror and he realized that it's Trollocs that are chasing him down and I still remember reading this the first time but I just kind of blew through it because I thought I was afraid that it was another one of those situations like from the prologue where you like jump from one time to another and I was all worried that I was suddenly going to be given a different plot line again and or timeline <laughs> yeah I was like oh my god what's going on and so I just remember like flipping through it until like it got to the point where Rand woke up from his nightmare and then I was like oh okay and I like went back and read it a little bit more closely but it's it's kind of a quick page turner but there's just a lot of information on it that feels 
extra and hard to relate to because the places that are being talked about aren't really things that the reader is aware of. So mm-hmm. he's getting pushed through this nightmare and he has this moment where he's like instead of being scared he gets mad and he's like fuck you and he kind of like pushes away from whatever he is he's doing (laughs) i wrote down i'm from the two rivers damn it like (laughs) he can do anything but a figure full of menace and a face that is apparently too scary to describe even for the author because he doesn't ran decides he needs to get away (laughs) right Faceless man, faceless, faceless man. There are so many faceless of them. Faceless creator, faceless devil creature. Who faceless knows? They just, yeah. just tell me what they look like. But Rand decides he needs to get away and throws himself off a cliff because that's apparently <laughs> what you do. In <laughs> Peace Dreamland. out. I'm out of here. <laughs> Somehow on the other end of falling from this cliff he lands in a field with flowers and butterflies and everything is happy and beautiful and on an island in the middle of the river was a city as might live in a gleeman's tale a city surrounded by high walls gleaming white and silver beneath the warm sun and it just beckons him with safety and and sanctuary Uh, but then he's being pursued again so he like takes off running and as he keeps running he gets up to this magical place and start seeing people and they start dancing and he's like oh hey i know how to do this dance too how weird but this feels so right and so he (laughs) this thing just confused the fuck out of me when i read it the first time and i still read it what kind of dance do you think it is (laughs) i think i kind of feel like i hope it's it's twerking I was like thinking like some sort of almost like a jig almost yeah like an Edwardian or like maybe what is a reeling like Scottish okay, reeling yeah yeah <laughs> so not twerking okay I could be wrong it could be twerking I mean whatever it is Rand knows how to do it apparently and they're all like yay but then like this door opens and inside the door is a big, scary murdral, and he's like, we've been waiting for you. I can't hiss it. How do you hiss? <laughs> your, your voice isn't low enough, I don't think. I don't know if I can hiss. I, I'm not even going to try. Like, my mouth starts to form, and I'm like, nope, that's not happening. You guys use I'll your ma- imagination. So. <laughs> think like Voldemort meets... Murdral. I don't know. That's anyway. Um, so I get kind of a uh, golem, like ooh, okay. You know, the kind of growly. Yeah, Precious. growly. <laughs> Do you like that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Today's a day. I don't mind. I need it. It's been a bizarre and wonderful week. Anyway, so at this point. Gasping and heart racing, Rand wakes from his bizarro dream to discover that he's slept most of the day away. Tam wakes up as Rand is trying to eat food. He was hungry, and honestly, I was hungry for him. Rand tells him, I mean, he hadn't eaten, like, since the day before. And he's, like, 18-year-old boy. He's, like, hollow. That's all I could think of. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I bet you're hungry, kiddo. My mom instinct kicks in. 
Anyway, so Rand tells Tam everything he wasn't supposed to tell him, which I think is really funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, Rand is not establishing himself as a very trustworthy person at this moment. Like, he talked to Bran already, and now I he's feel, talking to his dad I feel about Maureen's it. pain. Right? Like, like, how she has any hair left, I don't understand. Me neither. But he's like, so, hey, dad, here's what's happening. And it's it kind of surprises Rand, how quickly Tam's willing to be like, yeah, you know what? If it's, if they're the, probably right, yeah, yeah, you should just you should just go. Um, and his advice to him for Aes Sedai or anyone outside the Two Rivers was, you listen sharp, think deep, and guard your tongue. And he also says that when he's better, maybe he'll try to catch up with Rand on the road to Tarvalon. But um. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> it was really hey, funny. Amber and Tracy, where did you find the name to your podcast? It just made me laugh so hard when I was typing it out last night. I was like, <laughs> okay. That really wasn't like a laugh. That was like a snicker. I don't know what it was. The thing that I thought was interesting in the conversation, because like you said about like, the Thakandar blade and what was the other thing that like we just kind of got thrown at us in the last chapter carrion eaters yeah. being spies for the dark one yeah so now uh, we... what a heron marked blade means yes yeah and so now we just quick get a rundown on warders and that like their bond to Aes Sedai gives them special abilities but they're not really sure what the Aes Sedai get in return for it and so I thought that that was kind of interesting that, like, they're having this hypothetical where it's like, warders can hear better and they can move faster and they heal faster and all these other things. And I'm like, I think most of those are right. I think they're mostly right, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, like, they mostly yeah. have this one right. A lot of things where they're, like, supposing about other things are really wrong, but I feel like warders, they got... Pretty good. good, good <laughs> Isn't job, it so Tam. funny how, like, on on some things, they're like, uh, the dragon reborn is actually uh, the dark one, but, right. like, yeah. it's confused about that, but they obviously know 100% what, what a warder is. is so. Yeah. Tam's <laughs> like, it's this. In the midst of this conversation, Lan arrives and is like, hey, we need to go. You have to say goodbye to your, your dad. There's trouble. And Tam tells Rand to keep the heron mark blade and Lan reaches in and grabs Rand and pulls him away because Rand of course is struggling to leave his father because it's his father and he also doesn't know if it's really his father so poor Rand Mm -hmm. gets yanked away (laughs) I love this Lan says to Rand don't don't you understand the word trouble and I'm like no Lan he doesn't not like you (laughs) for him like up until the night before the biggest source of trouble was like maybe a wolf coming to eat a sheep Mm -hmm. and he knows how to handle that like no Mm -hmm. he doesn't understand the meaning of the word trouble anyway I had to get that out of my system Matt's waiting in the hallway and his comment of this is not much like the stories like that's all I, I feel like that's all I have to say. On that. It just gets used <laughs> so often. Um, so the trouble that's happening is a group of villagers are all hanging out in front of the inn. And of course, Those damn congers and coblins. Let me tell you. Right. Do you, 
Do you appreciate this is my description? Of course, this is led by the group of inbred slacker troublemakers of the village and Senbui. <laughs> <laughs> inbred slackers and troublemakers. <laughs> I, f- I feel like that's accurate. And Senbui. And Senbui. Yeah. That's what that lineup is right there. And Maureen's just taking it all in. I think Sen is one of the best characters you in know the what? Two Rivers. I appreciate him so much. Like, he has a totally different... I mean, I'm crotchety and grumpy. I'd probably be like, yeah, he has a fucking point. Do you guys Like, he can be a total talents? a-hole to Nynaeve and everyone, but there's there's definitely real people like that out there. So... <laughs> Yes. Feel him. Um, and so, like, Maureen's just taking this all in. She's leaning on her walking staff, air quotes, and she's not really responding, which I think just kind of makes them angrier. And so one of the the accusers, like, yells, get out or we'll burn you out. And this was a mistake because then the mayor... And Harold Lujan walk out of the shadows, and they're all, like, casually threatening repercussions if this is mm-hmm. what they're actually thinking of doing. And my mm-hmm. favorite is when Harold Lujan just, like, throws his arms up in the air and is like, look at my muscles. Oh, I'm stretching. Oh, my oh my <laughs> knuckles are cracking. Hold on one second. Stretch. Okay, I'm sorry. And then his next line is, your pardon, Harry. I did not mean to cut you off. You were saying, like... <laughs> God. I just love the Two Rivers folk. They're maybe my well, favorite. I just love the Luhans, man. <laughs> I would have become a blacksmith if they would have let me. Do you think? I just want them to adopt me. Right? Do you think Elspeth would let me like hang out in her kitchen? Absolutely. I'm real good at cast iron. I'm sure she and I would get along. I'm sure she has plenty of cast iron. <laughs> Every anniversary, uh, Harold makes her a new one, and she's like, great, another cast iron skillet. (laughs) I wonder what I'm getting this year for my birthday, anniversary, Christmas. Beltine. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, but that was really funny. So Bran quickly points out that Moraine and Land basically saved the day and that Moraine provided healing, even healing to some of the people that were there. And this is when <laughs> this is when Moraine like is just done. She is fed up with everybody fighting. And I don't know why she takes this tactic. I feel like she could have just like stepped out into the middle of the crowd and like controlled them with her presence. But no, she takes the walking stick and like, doesn't she, like, <laughs> she lift start- it above her head? Or does she twirl it? She, she twirls it. She twirls it. <laughs> It's like a, a, um... <laughs> Did she take baton courses when she was like a novice to the set? Like, I mean, at least it wasn't like ribbon dancing or something, <laughs> you know? I was just thinking like what it would look like if I tried to do that with my trembly hands. <laughs> it would fall on my head. <laughs> I would try and throw it up in the air, miss it, not catch it, hits me in the face, I black out, they burn me. End of story. Me too. (laughs) Anyway, so she goes through like this big 
I, I will command your attention. And then she just stands there for how, does she stand there through the whole story with her arms stretched out and the fire blazing from both ends? I can't remember. I if feel like some- she, I feel like she was twirling the entire time because after it's done, they're like, and her stick wasn't even burned. Like, I'm pretty sure she like snaps her arms down in front of her at some point. But either way, in she's my mind, still, she's she's still she's spinning telling, out until till this day. Till this day, she is still spinning. <laughs> <laughs> this is why it's so much fun to talk about this with you. <laughs> oh God! Uh, well, the good the good news about this is. I am not going to get into the story about Manetherin because we did a whole episode on Manetherin. So if you want to know Maureen's story about it, that's basically what she does right now. She just tells them that they're descended from basically badass warriors. And she was kind of hoping that some of them would still have just a trace of that. And they're all a big disappointment to her. Um <laughs> And none of them know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah. She's going on about, like, this is the this is where you're from, and everyone's just like, huh? Yeah, my favorite like, response from everyone is, we, we're good two rivers folk, just like we've always been. And I'm like, what? And I think there's always good, honest two rivers folk. And I mean, I in some ways, I like that it's so blatantly thrown out there, because that runs through our main characters that come from Emmons field, like that stubbornness, that honesty, that lean Mm -hmm. to want to fight for the right thing. It really is kind of like bred in their, their blood and bones in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you, uh, if you want to check out the story for that, Rakapa Sedai does one and it's brilliant. It's the one with Legos we've talked about at least three times before. But then after Moraine finishes her story, People apologize. They're like, hey, we were dicks and I'm sorry. And as for me, you can stay as long as you want. And then it's time to like bust out the back I, of the inn and, yeah. and leave. I almost kind of saw it as like her like doing all these pyrotechnics and like putting on a show. <laughs> and then everyone was just kind of like dumbfounded afterwards. Like what? What was the point of that? Like, hey, everyone, like a magic hook, like, hey, everyone, look over here, look over here, look over here. And then just walking away. Yeah. (laughs) I do think in a lot of ways that it is a diversion, like an intentional diversion. Like everyone's going to kind of slink away and stay from the inn because they're going to be ashamed of themselves and they should be jerks. But yeah, like that's while she does that, Matt and Lan and... Rand are all hanging out inside the inn, and as soon as she's done, they like go out to the stable yard where we jump into chapter where we, 10. Where we start off in chapter 10, which is called Leave Taking. So, the setting it's now dark. Matt, Perrin, and Rand are all meeting inside the stables with Lan and Moraine, and they are checking the horses and supplies. And Perrin remarks to Lan that they are indeed alone and no one saw them leave. So the boys are making some small talk and they're kind of looking at each other and looking at the weapons they've each brought. So Tam or Rand has I Tam's this was hair. Really and funny. Mar- Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Rand has Tam's hair and marked sword. Matt has a bow. And Perrin has a big 
axe with kind of a spiky point on it. It sounds pretty deadly. Yeah, and Matt's kind of making fun of them, Mm -hmm. and he's like, nice sword you got there. (laughs) Like, too bad you didn't bring an honest man's weapon, and he's kind of showing off his bow. And then Lan's kind of like, listen here, you little... Twerps. Yeah, twerps. <laughs> like any anything can be a weapon as long as you know how to use it. Even these um, slings that you catch like mm-hmm. squirrels, rabbits. I don't know. Whatever what runs fast and is small. Yeah, that. Maybe yeah. birds. Ravens. Ravens even. Yeah. Lan also tells them that they need to be ready to use these weapons if they want to reach Tarvalin alive. And... We get, again, some confirmation between the boys on which farms were attacked. Mm -hmm. And Matt and Perrin reveal that they have left notes for their families. Mm -hmm. And Rand thinks again about his strange dreams. And Moraine overhears him later telling the other two boys that he told Tam that he's leaving. Mm -hmm. Moraine is definitely not happy about Mm -hmm. it, but says it is woven into the pattern. (laughs) So Egwene then shows up out of nowhere saying she's coming with them. She very clearly doesn't believe that Trollocs are after the boys and (laughs) accuses them of telling nonsensical tales. We saw them sneak, Egwene saw them sneaking around and pieced together the fact that they were leaving, Mm -hmm. which no one else did. So kudos, Egwene, Mm -hmm. for that. She's an Uh, observant little thing. She is. And... Moraine is like, well, I guess you can come. And Land is, Land shows some small, I don't know if it's the right, if these are the right words, but it almost feels like some paternalistic, like, worry Mm. for Egwene's safety. And he's just like, it's not right, Moraine, you know. And it's, you know, rightfully so. It's a really dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. But Moraine again repeats her jargon with saying it's all woven into the pattern. Yep. And yeah. Lan says, okay, all right, uh, Egwene can ride Tom the the Glee Man's horse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when he says that, palm top. <laughs> palm top. <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> Tom pops up out of nowhere and he's like, I'm coming with you guys. And Tom's like, you know, I don't want to end up in a Trollocs cook pot and I'll mm-hmm. maybe I'll play a show or two in Tarvalin. So Rand offers up Bella for Egwene to ride and Lan says there's no other choice, so that'll have to work. Yep. And Rand will ride Cloud, which is a racing horse yep. that is notoriously hard to ride. Mm-hmm. So before they set, right before they set off, an owl like hoots mm-hmm. and everyone jumps, and then they kind of like make some nervous laughter, <laughs> and we get yeah we get another lesson from Land mm-hmm. about animals and says wolves and dogs would be a better omen because they dislike Trollocs. Yep. So they all set off, and Land's cloak turns him into a shadow, mm-hmm. and this is something that Rand is noticing. Um, men from the village have gathered old armor and weapons to keep watch. 
mm-hmm. and they're kind of like trudging around out of step. Yeah, they're like the, they're like the kind city of, watch, but they're sloppy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Land like scoffs at it, and he's like, "Trollocs are gonna eat them for breakfast." <laughs> and Rand is taking one last look over his surroundings, finding himself already homesick before actually leaving. So this is from the quote that we said earlier to start out with out with um, the episode, but he's thinking to himself that the two rivers is just beautiful and the moon is a thin slice close enough to touch. And then, boom, Rand sees something flying in the sky and it has large, powerful wings and it's gigantic <laughs> and it's much too big to be a bat. Mm-hmm. And Lan kind of growls at him to, like, get moving. And, you know, Rand's like, up in the sky, you know. And <laughs> it's a bird. Lan, it's a plane. It's a jacar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lan gives us another lesson and tells us what a jacar is. And Moraine says it's probably scouting them and they need to get to the ferry and fast because they are most likely being tracked. Uh-huh. So the whole group sets off into a gallop and rides off on the North Road together. And that is the end of chapter 10. Yeah, the thing that like on the Jakar that I thought made it really menacing was Rand recognizing that like it moved like a bird of prey. And at the moment, Mm -hmm. it was definitely on the hunt. And he is feeling the effects of being the hunted. And like in that in that chapter, in that moment, like you're like, oh, fuck, things are about to get like, yeah, dicey. Yeah, yeah. Like and the way that Moraine is like, if the Murdral has control or yeah, if the Murdral has control of Drakkar, then they're closer than I expected and they're going to find us sooner. So we need to move faster. So this is a massive warning to them that trouble is just waiting around the corner for them. And I I think Lan says something like, for your lives, run, keep up and keep together. And I was just mm-hmm. like, <gasps> here it goes, here it goes. Like it's, it's like that slide from the roller coaster. Like, you know, you're waiting right before for the, the Right before you drop. Exactly. You're like, well, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I love how this one ended, and I'm really excited. Does it tell what a Dracar does? Because I... They don't. I they think... just explain that they are... They're kind of like aerial... aerial I think Tom, scouts. Tom says something like... Like, he's all spooked by it. I think his response is something like worse than Trollocs were made at the end of the Age of Legends or something like that? He does, but we it, it's not as in-depth as if you went on the wiki, kind of. Mm. Like, he kind of starts talking about it, but he also gets cut off, I think, by Moraine being mm. like, time mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, it's scouting yeah, us. Yeah. But I, I also, I don't know, the Drakkar is just my favorite shadow spawn. There's so <laughs> many moments in the series that I think the Drakkar, they kind of get left by the wayside Mm -hmm. as being totally creepy, scary. And a bit vapid. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I I appreciate them. And just because I think baby Drakkar are probably so cute. (laughs) I do have 
bat boys. I don't think I have it in here. Girls. I'm pretty sure I sent it to you. Arthur has like a little stuffed animal that I think looks like what a baby Drakkar would look like. Yes. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, it's a yes. baby Drakkar. So cute. I mean, if you want to put that on a on a onesie too, infants have a ch- <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, infants have the ability to suck a person's soul. Um, <laughs> as well. <laughs> Speaking as a well, parent. Yeah. Could, you know what? Let's talk about what a Drakkar does because this isn't necessarily a spoiler and it's interesting. I so agree. Yeah. Oh, yes, there's something, please. Yeah, there's something kind of in between a like a siren, like a mermaid from his like mythology mm-hmm. where they would say like their song would coax sailors up to stormy shores to yep. hit rocks and then they would like sink ships because of their songs mm-hmm. being beautiful. And a Drakkar is basically that only looks like a vampire bat and flies around. Uh-huh. Yeah. So And takes your soul can, by kissing you. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, so they so they kind <laughs> of like lure you into this dreamlike state and then take your soul from you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's scary, scary. They're pretty stuff. they're pretty effective. Like the places that they get used throughout the series I think do a really good job of expressing like how dangerous they can be and almost like I don't want to say invisible, but I want to say, like, probably the most subtle. Yeah, of, like, I don't know. And the description of people once they've been entranced by the Drakkar, like, it said that they look blissful. So Mm -hmm. this creature overwhelms your senses with like whatever it is that would make somebody look blissful you guys can fill in the blanks there for yeah <laughs> we all have a different thing that leads to bliss cheese mm. <laughs> yes yum um anyway i just i think it's I think it's an interesting device. Did we talk about Jakar? We've talked about Jakar in our Shadow we, Spawn episode, right? We did with Malkia Talks. Yeah, that's and right. The, the thing is, is they're they're not great fighters. They're pretty defenseless. Yeah. I mean, they can't. It's not like they're going to block an arrow. Mm-mm. So They carry no weapons. Was, yeah. So this is also something that I kind of felt bad about is watching them leave the two rivers and there's no one like left behind to be like oh by the way there's a drakkar flying over the town yeah and you know you know they're all archers there so like they it could have been, been nice yeah yeah exactly. it would have been nice for land instead of being like oh these stupid guards <laughs> are gonna get eaten by trollocs to for him to be like, oh, by the way, by the like way. keep your bows handy and look at the sky. Right. But no, didn't happen. Disappointing. I think Disappointing. What, what I've always kind of thought, because I tend to try to lean towards the benevolent when I look at other people's actions. Like, I, I guess I kind of hope that Moraine was thinking that if they left the Drakkar, the Trollocs, the Majral mm-hmm. would all follow them and leave Emmonsfield behind. 
Yeah. And they didn't really have time to <laughs> give <laughs> for Land to give them another lesson. <laughs> Lessons with Land. Lessons with Land. Ooh, that could be fun. We'll have to think about that later. But do we have anything Break else time? to say about Yeah, do we have anything else we want to say about Jakar? No. I think we did a good job. Also, if you want more, go to the Shadow Spawn episode. We've talked about this before. So break time. Break yes. time? Yes. Okay. Yes, please. Call me. I, w- I will. <laughs> do we want to just jump right into spoilers? Sure. I mean, that's what we're here to do, right? <laughs> Spoiler time. <laughs> Buckle in. I love how often this is said. Is like the remember we're two rivers folks mm-hmm. and we're from the two rivers and we're honest two rivers folks. I know we just talked about this, but for real guys, it's like especially in this beginning part, this tie to being part of the land and the legacy that they are completely unaware of is just like shoved in your face. At the same time, I sincerely believe like this is what gives Rand his edge. Like, in the last book, it's his, like, ridiculous little house on the prairie upbringing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, too, isn't it mentioned how it would have failed if he had not been brought up how he was? Yeah. Like, it's part of the prophecy. Yeah, the reason Luz Theron failed is because he didn't have the type of upbringing where Rand is deep down a good person mm-hmm. and was able to overcome the horrific <laughs> uh, story <laughs> that we are seeing from this point now up until the last book. So It's true. Yeah. I mean, he goes through several, several, several different cycles and mental places throughout the series. Like, Sometimes I really feel for Rand, and other times I'm really annoyed with him. But either way, this, I feel, is one of those places where we get the baseline for who he is, but also who Matt, Perrin, Egwene, and later Nynaeve are. Mm-hmm. Like, but then also, like, Tam, later on, when he, like, comes into play, like, I've got a note on that later, too. But, like, Two Rivers Folk? I can get down with them. I like them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I have to say about that. This, I I loved this moment where Nynaeve has said that Tam will die. There's nothing she can do. And, of course, Egwene feels for Rand, so she hugs him. And then Nynaeve is, like... Yelling for her, yeah. Yeah, she's like, Egwene! Go wash your hands. I don't think Nanny really sounds like that. I love her. But, like, that's the feeling of the moment. And Egwene, it says in the book, she pushed herself free from Rand's arms. She needs my help, Rand. Egwene! He thought he heard a sob as she spun away from him. And this is just, like, the foreshadowing for her testing in the Tarangriel later where she, like, has to walk away from him and does it while she's sobbing. Like... Poor Egwene has had these moments where she just can only do so much and she's put in these situations at a very young age. So, mm-hmm. And LA, we're seeing, I, too, how had Winter Night never happened, what the relationship between Rand and Egwene probably would have played out to look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and isn't that, like, one of the scenarios in the Tarangriol where, like, 
Rand has headaches and there's nothing we can do for him and just so like I feel as though there's a path that kind of shows that and I mean then you also have like when they go through the those stone portals mm-hmm. the portal stones that's what they're called they're called portal stones how there's that one where they all the cycle flicker through moment yeah 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 like I think I think of that so poor green oh my I gosh love, love, this love. is just making me think of had he stayed in the two rivers, had winter night never happened, he still would have went mad. Yes. Yeah. He would have never. But he would have done it there. Yeah. He, he would have done it there. Mm-hmm. And he would have never cleansed, you know, Sidene. So yep. her, maybe her healing his headaches was just more foreshadowing of him. Maybe they weren't really headaches. <laughs> 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 maybe they weren't they i actually there's something a little later on where he says that he has a headache and i, I marked it out because we'll get there but here is like when we kind of talked about this in this like the spoiler free section i love tom jumping into help leading bran to ask for the help from the Aes Sedai, and he is just clever and knows his place and, like, these layers of Tom are, like, just starting to kind of unfurl. And you see this man. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hmm. And then Tom makes the comment, but be but be careful, Goy. <laughs> <laughs> My typing is bad. Wow. And spell check was like, no, that's totally fine. That's a word. Yeah. <laughs> corrected but be careful boy I said I do what they do for reasons of their own and they aren't always the reasons others think and we know trust Tom on this one he knows it's like he knows to a heartbreaking extent and then old Fane just disappeared and that's the worst of all when I read this for the first time and it's bizarre that I can remember certain things like that happened almost 30 years ago but I remember just completely forgetting about the peddler. Like, to me, he was such a minor character that bringing him up again, I was just like, does oh. anyone care? R.I.P. peddler. And then you move on. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just like, okay, whatever. So I really, I really hadn't paid attention to that. But then Tom says uh, that it's the worst of all. Trollocs will eat anything. And I, I really remember like what you had said last week about holding on to the horror of what Trollocs are and what they do. And here's yes. like this here's another just little layer of like how awful they are. Like let's not forget they are just big, disgusting, human flesh eating whores. That's what yeah. they are. Little reminder for everyone in case you were thinking maybe they were friendly. Like maybe <laughs> Narg was just lonely. <laughs> Everybody keeps swiping the wrong way on my Tinder account. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> Is Tinder still a thing? Do people yeah, use that? I okay, think so. Cool. <laughs> Trollocs. <laughs> Narg's bio is like smart Trolloc, nice Trolloc. Just want to talk. Just here for a chat. <laughs> Come see my draw. <laughs> <laughs> Come see my draw. <laughs> Uh, bring your own cook pot. <laughs> yeah, B Y O C. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, one of the things that really kind of caught me differently, I think 
I'm so, so, so glad we read New Spring because I see Maureen in such a different way. Like even small moments where she says something like this. I am afraid, Leanne. I thought we had gained a march, but we may be further behind than ever. And her just so frankly saying that out loud caught me very differently Mm -hmm. this time than it did on other times when I've read it. And I also just kind of feel like they've been doing this for like 20 years. And I mean, I think I would have been feeling like behind all the time after year two or whatever. Right. So what has happened? What has changed at this point where Moraine feels they've fallen behind the shadow? Yeah. She's got, yeah. This, this whole attack and them thinking on how many Trollocs came to the two rivers, how hard it would have been for the Trollocs to even get there Mm -hmm. is a big, you know, red flag. And she has to know that they've found what they're looking for. But at this point, the shadow has also found what they're looking for. So exactly. Yeah. They just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Like, there's every and I mean and Tam was the right person at the right time. Imagine what would have happened if Trollocs had attacked their little farm and Tam was just like, Oh shit, Trollocs instead of his sword flashing out of its scabbard and him yeah. taking down like four at one time or whatever. Like all of these paths that come together and cross to make specific moments happen. It's what I love when I study history, and it's one of the things that I really enjoy in this series, too, is you can be like, oh, yeah, this is this is what started this domino effect, and this is what brought this over here, and yeah, I love it. So, yeah, I guess that those are my observations from Chapter 7. And since we just talked about Moraine, I'm going to jump into the first kind of thing that I was thinking about for Chapter 8. Mm -hmm. So we have this exchange between Moraine and Rand where she's telling him, I would have needed half a dozen sisters if I wanted to save the village. But thinking on it now, we know that she's not working with the tower to find Mm -hmm. Rand. So Mm -hmm. how would she have even (laughs) gathered them up in the first place? Right, yeah. Mm. Saying like, oh, well, I'm going to this teeny tiny village in the middle of nowhere. I can't tell you why, but you want to come with? I hear there'll be a glee man and fireworks. (laughs) It's going to be the best Beltine ever, ladies. (laughs) So I kind of just, like, we know this would never happen. She's searching Mm -hmm. alone, and I almost... I'm almost wondering if there's guilt in this statement of Mm. her kind of just, you know, saying half a dozen sisters, nothing would have changed because this this option was never on the table anyways. Yeah, good point. This is back to Tom. Lan had mentioned in passing when they first get to Tam's room to Mm -hmm. heal him. He's Mm -hmm. like, I don't trust this Gleeman. And... Uh, Moraine is like, no, like his cloak was singed, like he was he was attacked just like anyone else. And mm-hmm. Rand is kind of not really thinking. He's obviously very worried about what's going on with his father. But we also have a moment where 
Tom pops up in the hayloft kind of and like scares the <laughs> crap out of everyone. Yeah. And this is, th- there's a lot going on with Tom. And we, we are talking about his cleverness, his like Deste mm-hmm. Mar, and him being very kind of like spry and deadly mm-hmm. in a way that you don't really think of at first. And it's kind of interesting to see this dynamic between Tom and Lan, mm-hmm. knowing that Tom will eventually become Moraine's warder and Lan <laughs> kind of being like, I don't trust this guy. So it's, I didn't it's even just... think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking your place, buddy. Yeah. Just give me like right? 12 books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Wow. Yeah. But I, well, I, and I mean, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. This is where Tom kind of starts to morph for me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, just the way that he's initially introduced, you kind of think, like, stoop shoulder, an older guy, like, dun, 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 like mm-hmm. almost like the, the weird creature in Labyrinth that has, like, the um, bird on its head. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Am I just babbling? No, I don't know that, but I've only watched <laughs> that movie once, and all I remember is the... The, the eye hand David. thing. Oh. Oh, 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 no, that's Pan's Labyrinth. I meant oh, Labyrinth, oh. like the one with David Bowie. Oh. And, and that one. You remind and, me of the babe. Yes, that one. But there's like <laughs> this one. weird, like that one. Like every time, almost, every time Elaine says my babes, all I can think of is you remind me of the babe. <laughs> But no, like, it makes me think, when we first meet Tom, it makes me think of, like, the weird old guy that, like, is offering advice, and he's got the weird bird on. So, like, it's just not really this idea of someone with quickness and wit and spryness, like, all of the things that we've mentioned. But this is, like, this is the part where Tom starts to become almost an entirely different character mm-hmm. in my head. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, it just can't. I, I, I can't stop talking about how much of a badass Tom is, really, when I think about it. Right. He's over he's overlooked. And all the people that are like, I don't like Moraine ending up with Tom. Well, I think it is a fine pairing. I think it's like power couple extraordinaire. You know? Like, between the two of them, they could pretty much just do anything they wanted to. Yeah, they can both be spies. They can both fight. They're badasses. Yeah. I'm into it. I love it. I wouldn't wouldn't even mind like a separate adventures of for those (laughs) two. You know, like some some things just need to happen. Maybe that's one of them. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we had talked about this before we started recording because Tracy's son Aiden is currently reading Eye of the World and he is right here pretty much where we have finished off these chapters this week. And Aiden has come to a point in the book where he is just not feeling it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And this is also, I don't know if I've talked about it, but Eye of the World is my least favorite book (laughs) in the series. (laughs) And I, I don't want people to think that I hate it or something. I definitely do not hate it. Um, but 
reading, when I was reading, I got to this point, I took a break after actually reading the prologue and stopped for a couple months, Mm -hmm. came back to it. And I think I was right about here where I took another long break. And if it weren't for the audiobooks, I probably would have never gotten through Eye of the World. And thinking about it, now after being at these chapters, I kind of had a light bulb moment where I was able to put my finger on why Eye of the World might be my least favorite in the series. And I think what... I've observed is there's so much telling versus showing Mm -hmm. where we are just getting massive amounts of exposition dumps where we are being told what this item is, what it does, what it means, where this place is, what the people from there are like. And it, it kind of, especially from all the fast pace to Trolloc attacks Mm -hmm. and everything going on. And then we kind of get these chapters where it's kind of like floating down a lazy river. Oh yeah. That's a really good description. It's, it's not, it's not as action packed. And I don't want to say that that makes it boring, right? but it can also be a little bit tedious when you want to get on with the story and know where these characters are going. Mm -hmm. And, it's not just that there's a lot of exposition, but it is like blunt, like lots of blunt descriptions and rapid fire yes. exposition. Yep. So just in this chap in chapter eight, a place of safety, here are just a few things that we are told via Lan and Moraine. And I think that I'm just I'm gonna make this a thing, like lessons with Lan and Moraine. <laughs> so Lan tells us what a heron marked blade means. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lan is explaining that carrion eaters are spies for the Dark One, and we don't even really know what the Dark One, what Dark One is at this point. Like we know it's a yep, bad, yeah. the bad guy, but you know, <laughs> he's okay. the big baddie, and that's all yeah. we know, <laughs> right? We are told what a merdral is by, I believe it is Lan. Um, he also tells us how they were created mm-hmm. and how they act as a brain for a fist of Trollocs. And mm-hmm. they have no eyes, but they can see like an eagle. And we also learn from Moraine what healers are like now in relation to the Age of Legends. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, when you're reading this book, you don't know what the heck the Age of Legends is. You're just like, okay, whatever. Right. Uh, I guess I'll keep reading. <laughs> we see an Angriol for the first time. And, you know, it's kind of like we're supposed to know, like, okay, here's this little woman that she, this little woman little carving that she pulled. statuette, yeah. Yeah. And... She's explaining how these are special and they can no longer be made. And it's just so much stuff. And also, uh, a, a, thok, a Thakandar blade. Like, really? Yeah. What is Thakandar? What is Shale Ghoul? What is this, you know, taint this thing carries? And we are being told all of this stuff all within one chapter. Mm-hmm. And it can kind of be a bit much. Mm-hmm. Very. <laughs> and I... And I mean, there are people that love this kind of stuff, you know, like world building is an amazing thing within these books and Mm -hmm. I love it, but it's also hard for me to get into what's happening when I have to keep taking timeouts to be explained what 
these things are and what they mean. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm really just, I guess to, to sum it up, uh, if, if I think if it had been spaced out a little bit more or if it wasn't so blunt, you know, because there are moments too where, where we get descriptions of things where I'm like, oh, this is so cool, you know, like this is interesting. But some of these things, I'm just like, I don't know, I don't care. The age of legends, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe there are people out there like me that have gone through this as well. Oh, I did it. I don't I know. Still, I still do it to an extent. Like, especially at the beginning, I was looking for the next piece of adventure. And I just felt so overwhelmed by all of the terms that it took me it took me a while to like kind of put everything together, but it only happened as I continued to read the series. Right. And I think I was intrigued enough to keep going. I mean, obviously because I did. Um, <laughs> Here we are. I know. Right. I mean, I guess I liked it just a little. <laughs> yeah. Understatement. Um, but it was really like, I think the series picks up so much more as it goes forward, but I do think that it does exactly what you're saying. Like, I think, I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I mentioned to you before we started recording is that, like, in the Wheel of Time wiki page, the mm-hmm. summary for the chapter is shorter than the list of, like, people, places, and things referenced within the chapter itself. And it was just ridiculous. Isn't it? Yeah. And like how are, I mean, how is so anyone much supposed to, to the, remember that? Yeah, so much to the point that Robert Jordan had to put a glossary right? in the back of a book. Exactly. And not only is there that, but some of these things that we learn about get brought up later and we get a refresher mm-hmm. and a reminder mm-hmm. because this this world is so expansive and there are all of these things that we need to know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I have to put myself in Robert Jordan's shoes and think like, was there a better way to do this? Probably not. Yeah. But I, I can understand and sympathize with people who I've said, you should really read this book. Mm-hmm. And they get maybe a couple chapters in and yeah. they put it down and yep. never come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That always makes me sad. I'm like, no, no, you just need to keep going. Really, I promise. Just keep, what, and, was, yeah. what was it that you suggested to Aiden? Like, I told Aiden, watch, if he cannot get through this book, to watch a summary on YouTube yep. and then just pick up with The Great Hunt. <laughs> because The Great Hunt is like in my top three, I think. I love one. that book. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I think there's also this big connection with Eye of the World and Lord of the Rings, Mm, where mm -hmm. Robert Jordan wanted these books to be accessible to people who haven't, you know... Really read fantasy before. Yeah, yeah. And I guess kind of making it like an homage, and it's great and all, but I find... I personally think that Robert Jordan, once he is able to leave that behind and get, like, into peak... Robert Jordan, which yep. I feel like starts out in The Great Hunt, then it is just like, all right, like it's we're on. in this now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually 
perfectly summarized seriously like thank you you're welcome <laughs> it's like it's and like, i don't want to hate on anything no. i'm definitely not hating on it because i i love the series well and i mean robert jordan uses really beautiful expressions to get things across in a really short amount of time like one of the things that i think he's is in the I don't remember which chapter it's in, but he says something about how Land's voice sounded like a rough hewn gravestone. And I mean, it's like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you, you can almost feel the sharpness, the rough edges of what's coming across. And I, I Mm -hmm. love, that's what I love. Like I read the little pieces more for those tiny moments than anything else. Like the rest of it kind of bogs me down and it takes me a while to like fully pick up on everything, but it's his, it really is his ability to write a beautiful story that just keeps me going. And you're right. The next book is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can just listen to our recap. And uh, then you don't have to worry about reading it ever. It's pretty thorough, I'd say. There you go. Yeah, we got most of the really important parts. Maybe not the best of the the lines, but, you know, whatever. Um, So are we safe to move on to Chapter 9? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So so Rand is having this nightmare, um, and he sees a mountain as black as the loss of all hope he had never seen it before but he knew it the memory of it flashed away like quicksilver when he tried to touch it but the memory was there he knew it was there and what i'm wondering is is this really his memory like is this the start of luce theron's memories kind of seeping into his own or i would i say yes i think so too like because I am, I am assuming, and I, I don't know if it's ever really confirmed, this is a dream shard created by Shamael, but he's not just doing this to Rand, he's doing this to Matt and Perrin, too, because they still don't know who they are supposed to specifically mm-hmm. focus on. So this also then makes me wonder what happens with Matt and Perrin's dreams, because when we see them, they're very, very similar to what Rand goes through. Um. Or yeah, I guess, or maybe too, the the Ishamael is placing this thought into his dream to see if he recognizes it, and then he can be like, "Loose Theron, I know you're in there somewhere." Yeah, <laughs> you know was, what I mean. That was the other thing, because then there's like the he knew the dance, but he didn't know it, and like he mm-hmm. knew the words and understood them, even if. It, even though it wasn't in the language that he understood, you know, like there are just these weird Mm -hmm. little things throughout it that you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's happening. Um, And I understand that the nightmare is supposed to be there to like kind of increase the sense of urgency. But for me, when I read it, I found it really frustrating and I point pointless. Yeah. I found it pointless. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you're saying this, not me, because (laughs) (laughs) no, when we were talking about which chapters we'll take, I was like, oh, God, the dream chapter and then Manethrin again. We just did Manethrin. I'm sorry that I (laughs) all to you, Tracy. I'm sorry. You know what? It's really okay. I had I had 
an interesting time pulling together notes for this because I was just like, God, I feel like we just talked about so much of this stuff recently, you know? So I tried to like pull stuff in that we hadn't talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next thing that I'm wondering is when Tam says he was having nightmares, was he having a nightmare? Was it a fever dream? Or is he being affected by Rand's dreams at this point? And I don't I don't know because I know there there's a point later on in the series where like people will have a dream that's Rand's dream. You know, like when he's looking for Kalendor, like people will talk about how, you know, for a night or two they were dreaming of a glowing mm-hmm. sword, blah, blah, blah. So is Tam having nightmares or is this a reflection of that? Thoughts? Yeah, that's a really I don't feel comfortable picking one because I really <laughs> it, it really could be a combination. It could be. But yeah. I if you've Poor ever Tam. had a fever dream before, they suck. <laughs> and those tend to be nightmares, but there's also so many other things going on that it's just Yeah. Yeah. And I feel as though Tam and Rand were sleeping at the same time. Tam while he's healing and Rand while he's finally getting Mm -hmm. a chance to rest and so I feel like it's very possible that part of what Rand is experiencing seeps into Tam's dreams as well um so that's just kind of I like that I like that after Tam wakes up he's like all I got was this stinking bone broth or whatever (laughs) (laughs) because we know after an ice that I heal someone they are ravenous but Marin Alvira is like just some broth for you Tam's probably gonna like slaughter any goat that he can find (laughs) left living and eat it raw yeah he's just like (laughs) I can see that too I would be that way as well um but then this is the part where I was I am curious about this because Rand, of course, does not have a clue why Trollocs would be after him. And Tam's response is, I wish I knew too, boy. Blood and ashes. I wish I knew. And part of me is like, I feel as though I mean, doesn't he have like at least an inkling that there might be something up with Rand? I feel like Tam is well-traveled enough to know about Trollocs and to know all of these prophecies. And we found out in the Ravens chapter, he's pretty well-versed in these old stories and the breaking of the world. So for him to be like, I don't know. But then immediately when Rand says, like, I have to go to Tarvalin, he's like, yeah, you probably should. Yeah. And I can understand wanting your child to be safe. Mm -hmm. But Tam also knows a lot about how much you should trust an Aes Sedai. Mm -hmm. So he has to know that even if it's somewhat of a place of safety, it's not necessarily a safe place to be Mm -hmm. if you're not an Aes Sedai. So for him to just be like, yeah, you should probably go, I feel like he has to know something. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, at least have an inkling. Yeah, that something is not adding up quite right. So yeah, yeah. And then he also says that he'll follow in a few days. And I hadn't, like, I had completely forgot that he said he was going to do that. But they do end up going, like, him and Matt, is it, what is, Abel? 
Abel, yeah. Abel Cawthon. Like, they do actually mm-hmm. go to Tarvon. They do. Don't they even, like, talk to the Amarillan seat? Yeah, but Rand wasn't there. But Rand wasn't there, and neither was Matt. And they were like, mm-hmm. So, you know, I... Fucking I said I, man. Yeah, and I love, <laughs> I love, love, love that Tam was like, well, my farm is destroyed, and I really don't have a lot going on right now, so this seems... Like, I'm going to go follow my kid and see if he's safe. And he does it. But then Rand's not there. And then Tam comes back to the two rivers and is probably, like, worried sick until, like, He's probably heartbroken, you know? Like, this is his only child. And even if it's not, like, a birth child, it's still his son. So I really... This is making me more emotional than... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need to feel right now. <laughs> well, let's move on then. Okay. Um, <laughs> two things. Rand promises that he's going to come back to the two rivers. And then later he promises he's going to like look after Egwene. And I just feel as though Rand kind of like failed on both of those. Like, does he ever go back to the two rivers? I'm pretty sure he like purposely avoids going there but i but i like though when they set off he's like i'll protect you Egwene," and she kind of like ruffles his hair and she's like we'll look out for each other yeah you know what i mean so i i like how that dynamic was like left where it's not like the man trying to look after the woman she's like we will look after each other that's a good thor (laughs) (laughs) that's a very good observation Yeah, I think for me, it's more just the fact that, like, I don't know. I feel as though this is one of those examples where, despite best intentions, life can and will pull you in directions that you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. want to go into. And I'm not going to say that Rand is untrustworthy because I don't think at the core that is who he is. It's just that sometimes you don't get a choice. And right. that's going to be a lot of Rand's story coming there's, up. Yeah. There's no way he could go back to the two rivers because mm-hmm. if he does show up, then they will know that it means something to him and they will continue pillaging and yeah. doing what they do. And he he couldn't look out for Egwene because they get split up and that's that. Right. I mean, yeah. And I, they really only come. Let's see here. They both travel with the Aiel later on. But after that, but after that, they don't they don't meet back up again until he visits Tarvalin and what, a memory of light? Yeah. Or, no, it's before a memory of light. I think it's light. the gathering storm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and at that point, it's not, it is, we're going to look out for each other, even though Gwen didn't realize that that was what was going to happen. Like, she was very strongly against him in that moment. Um but yeah, I, that was, I just, I just find that it's one of those things to just think about. And I overthink everything. So of course that's what's in there. Um, during Moraine's Moretherin, Menetherin <laughs> story, um, the only thing that I wanted to comment on is just the return of people to defend their home and how that's just foreshadowing later on for the Battle of Emmonsfield and for how the two rivers archers show up for the last battle and other battles. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just kind of amazing how these 
honest two rivers farmers and yeah, crass they kind people. Of, yeah, like, they go from this ragtag group yep. of land being like, you're all going to end up in a cook pot <laughs> to being these fearsome, dedicated warriors yep. living up to Manetheran standard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For know? sure. I think they definitely earn like the the thorn in the dark one's foot. Or side, or wherever, or wherever the dark one has a tender point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> all right. And I think we've already shared all of our theories about the Manetheran or, like, the story that Maureen tells, and there's really not a lot else in that chapter that I have observations on. Do you have anything? No. Okay. No. It was, I mean... But, um... Again, for all of the things that, like, happen in it, it's not a very eventful chapter. Yeah, and I mean, too, like, you kind of lose the... It's written so beautifully, Moraine's story, that you can almost, like, forget about what's actually being said and how the story goes. Because it's very... It's flowery and the prose is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then if you actually, like, want to know the history yeah you have to kind of like dig around on the internet mm-hmm. i do i do really really love the mat is the bloodline of king amon or king amon reborn theory we talk about that on the manetheran episode i love that yeah it's just there's there's a lot of cool stuff with manetheran mm-hmm. so if you are like into history of wheel of time Manetheran's a cool thing to dig into. I agree. Yeah. I really enjoy. I I really enjoy how that unfolds. And we did, like I said, we've done a whole episode on it. And I still feel like there are probably things we we left out. Yeah. So leave taking. Leave taking. Chapter ten. It's exactly what it says. It is. <laughs> Bye guys. Have yeah. fun. Later. I just I, um, before. Okay. I just have to ask this question. How did Rand get like? any supplies like a change of clothes like he had trudged through the woods and is wearing like dirty clothes that he slept in and sweat in and blah 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 and now he has to hop on a horse and ride away does he get a fresh change of clothes at any point i I know that when he gets land into the inn Marin Alvier gets a spare set of clothes for Tam. And I know Rand is pretty soiled, you know, like dirty himself. Mm -hmm. I would assume she gave him something to wear. Yeah. It just He's probably got some clean clothes that he's wearing now and the dirty clothes that he was wearing that night. <laughs> Hooray! Adventure! Good thing he gets new clothes later on. <laughs> My God, no wonder. No wonder Moraine was like, you need to change into this fancy <laughs> outfit now so everyone will take you seriously because you look like Oliver Twist. <laughs> and you fucking smell. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to tell you until now. Go take a goddamn bath. <laughs> I think I think there will be a lady that will come in shortly that will, like, wash your back for you. Lady with a capital L. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, chapter 10, leave taking. A lot <clears throat> more exposition. We are finding out, you know, more capabilities of what a warder are, especially when Rand thinks to himself when they're in the stable that Land notices everything around him. Well, he didn't notice Tom, but, you know, that's another story. <laughs> didn't notice Tom, didn't notice Egwene. Yeah. And when Lan is kind of, like, sneaking them out as they're leaving, it's mentioned that his cloak turns him into a shadow. Mm-hmm. And when they're getting, uh, before I think they get on the North Road, he's, Lan is stopping and going and stopping and going, and Rand doesn't know what he's stopping for, but then he says, like, sure enough, moments after Lan would pause, Mm -hmm. then someone would come through. So here we're getting to know more about the warder bond. Mm -hmm. And I think this is, again, we talked about New Spring earlier, but this is a cute throwback to New Spring when Lan is kind of, like, slinking around, Mm -hmm. stalking Moraine. Yeah. And she's like, yoo-hoo, I've noticed (laughs) you trying to follow me. You're doing a really shit job of it. But... (laughs) You know, gotcha. <laughs> so Lan's capabilities as a warder has stepped him up in the sneaking department. Mm-hmm. And then so I kind of just broke this into th- a few things that I didn't love and a few things that I did love. I like so, this. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. OK, things I didn't love. Egwene. <laughs> Uh, you were just attacked by Trollocs, and if you accuse someone of telling nonsensical tales one more time, I will tug my braid out. Uh, this is like your entire village was just attacked right? by man-eating creatures, mm-hmm. and you're like, quit telling nonsensical tales. I'm like, going to go on okay. an adventure. Yeah. Okay. She's like the most annoying and 16-year-old then, ever in this moment. <laughs> and then I've, I've kind of got like a bone to pick with Moraine. So she's she's like bordering on this omnipotent mm-hmm. character at this moment mm-hmm. where in this chapter she's talking how many times she says like something is woven into the pattern, you know, like Moraine can't read the future. She doesn't have foretellings. So anything that just walks in front of her path, she's like, I guess it's a part of the pattern. I'll let it slide. Yep. You know? And she's just kind of like, okay. Like, she, she's, she, is she just guessing? Actually, so, and then, okay, so I have a thought on that, if it's okay. Like, I don't okay. want to interrupt you mid- mid-thought, but, okay, so my Hold thought... On, was- I just have to write down what <laughs> afterwards so I don't forget I don't want you to okay, forget go for it okay so my thought in that moment is that Moraine has already figured out that a queen can channel and she is of course going to want to recruit young girls to take to the tower and while she mm-hmm. wasn't there specifically for that purpose she is presented with this young woman who will become powerful enough that draws att- attention from every woman who chan- who's, they can channel who meets her. So I feel like in that moment, Moraine's like, Agreed. Oh, you are part of this, this journey because now we are all going to Tarvalon and we can enroll you as a novice. Like, that's mm-hmm. how I see that. In the moment when it first happened, I was like, I don't... 
I mean, really, why? She's just a 16-year-old girl. I feel like you could, like, just tie her up in a stall and leave her there for the morning, you know? like. But I also, like, that is a very great point, but I also find it kind of shitty for Moraine to, like, bring this young girl. Like, they're being chased by Shadow Swan. Yeah. And she's like, well, the, the tower needs this. Yeah. So I guess you're coming you with know, us like, now. Yeah, like, put her life in danger for the mm-hmm. sake of the tower, gaining another member. Like, yeah, of course... We know how it ends and mm-hmm. how important Egwene is to the story, but Moraine doesn't know how important yeah. she is to the story. Yeah. So in the more in the moment, she's just a stubborn sixteen-year-old that you should have been able to put in her place. Like, just just saying. And I mean, it's great that she does go along because then Egwene's story is what Egwene's story is, and I mm-hmm. love her as a character. I'm definitely not like wanting her to not be a part of this. It's just such a an odd way of structuring it. And one of the things that I was kind of wondering, are these things that perhaps Moraine saw in her testing? Like for becoming an accepted? It could be, but then... Then I feel like she would have thought about the two rivers sooner. Sooner. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, good point. Unless unless she doesn't know where these people are from. And then as soon as she sees Egwene, she's like, oh, it's you mm-hmm. from the testing. That's a really good point. I think, yeah, I think that could, you could definitely make an argument about that. I think there's, there could be a theory there. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. But I also... With Moraine kind of giving us these, <laughs> like, almighty, like, knowing dun, things dun, dun, dun. that other people don't know self. She, this, again, it's kind of going off into this, like, Gandalfy <laughs> words of wisdom. Queen, you know what I mean? Queen of the, of the elves. Gal- Galindria, oh. what is her name? Did I get that? <laughs> Whatever her name is. That, that person. Well, she's just kind of. It to me, like I don't know. I feel I. It's kind of like silly. Like, of course, it's great to get that line. Like, the wheel weaves as the will. The wheel wheel wills. wills. Yeah, but I'm really. I really want to see uh, Rosamund Pike <laughs> saying that tongue twister. I wonder if she's I practicing. Want, I want like, to see the blooper reel. The blooper reel. Yeah, it'll just be like clip her stumbling through it clip blah 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 Mm -hmm. that's what would happen yeah so uh i think um what's also interesting is when tom pops up she's like yeah you are coming with us too because it's a part of the pattern it just it just makes sense it's like moraine how do you know what the pattern wants really because I remember a couple books later when you are <laughs> fighting the pattern, kicking and screaming, Rand is off doing his own thing and you are trying to yank it. Like, you know, like it's like she's trying to like lasso a bull. Yeah. And she is getting dragged around. Mm-hmm. And she even tells Swan Sanche, like, look, you don't understand. I cannot get this kid to where I need him to go. And yep. it's, you know, Taviran and the pattern wills its own way. Yep. And here she's just like, it's kind of like a 180, I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, may I, no, I don't have anything. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it, it's almost just like instead of her being like, 
well, Egwene needs to come with us because she has a part to play in this Mm -hmm. and alluding to it. It's like, no, it's the pattern. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's it. It's again like it may. I don't know. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I just I just don't like it. How about that? (laughs) So things that I did love. When Tom appears and he says he's coming too, and <laughs> Maureen says it's woven into the pattern, <laughs> Lan is like, well, Maureen, was that a part of the pattern? <laughs> and it was literally like he was reading my thoughts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because the sarcasm is a 10, and I love it. <laughs> I agree. And then, okay, another part that I really loved is just Perrin being the sweetest, most, like, gentle creature. He's feeling all sheepish about his axe, and Matt's kind of, like, mocking him and Rand. Matt's being kind of a dick. Yeah. And he's... And this is this is actually some of the exposition parts that I really did love, because... Mm -hmm. Um, Perrin is explaining, you know, that Master Luhan made this axe for a wood buyer's guild, but the customer didn't want to pay full price, so Master Luhan kept it. So now we're learning, like, that in this place, like, there are these guards and guilds Mm -hmm. and different type of uh, structure with how jobs are and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And we're also learning about who Perrin is as a person, but Mm -hmm. it's not like... Perrin was like, I'm Perrin, and I'm kind of the big, embarrassed one Mm -hmm. and shy. Like, we are learning this because he gets, like, flushed talking about how Master Luhan caught him playing, like, practicing Practicing with this axe. Yeah, and so Master Luhan just gave it to him. So, Mm -hmm. like, that was just a really sweet moment where I'm like, oh, Perrin, like, I just want to hug you. Mm -hmm. Like... You're just this big, lovable guy, and don't feel embarrassed to like an axe. Like, play with that axe. <laughs> Do it. So, yeah. Um, and Is that I a t-shirt? Think... Parent, parent, play with that axe. <laughs> <laughs> play with that axe. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I mean, really, that's all that I've got uh... for that. The only thing that I had that I wanted to add for that one is it it goes back to the axe as well, but the sword that Rand is carrying, the axe that Perrin has, and the bow that Matt is carrying are like three of the most important weapons in the series. And not mm-hmm. just considering like who's carrying them. It's like throughout everything. So like if someone has a hair on Mark Blade, you know that that person's going to be skilled, like highly skilled. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. who's carrying it. So when Rand loses his, it's not like it stops being an important part of the series. And I I like that. I like that continuation of how things happen. And then, of course, with Perrin's axe and later on when he like makes the new hammer for it instead and sets the axe aside but how long he does carry it like Mm -hmm. it's it's his what like you think of Perrin you think of his axe at least I do like it's just part of his Mm -hmm. persona um and of course those bows like the long bows are like the military machine of 
that time period, that place in that moment, like study, Mm -hmm. study European history and you see exactly how important a longbow is and we see it throughout the series like that bow that Lance talking about in that chapter and he's like that's a weapon I'm like yeah one of those two rivers dudes is actually gonna like <laughs> save your ass with one with of those that. bows you're right you are super right and I just love like coming across little pieces like that while like reading over these sections we still need to do a weapons episode I was gonna say yeah <laughs> we have to do it there are so many I cool almost weapons. feel like I've been wanting to do that one so long there's pressure where like I want it to be perfect <laughs> and I want like two months to do all of the digging and background and history on all of it that I can find any does anyone know like a medieval weapons specialist? <laughs> I know somebody who studies in medieval religious literature. It's not quite the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I am helpful. Yeah. Helpful. <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah, I think that's really where I would I would say there's there's a lot going on in these chapters. Mm-hmm. We are learning a lot about this world. And I'm excited to uh, get on the road to Tarvalin, <laughs> even if they don't make it there. I'm looking forward to that part, too. Like, this upcoming part is one that I I enjoy reading. Like, I, I enjoy the first book. Yep, I'm just going to leave it there. I just like it. I enjoy, I enjoy yeah. it too. I just think that it was it was a lot harder for me to get through that book than even some of the books that are considered a part of the slog. Mm-hmm. I find but that so is, interesting. I love it. <laughs> this is just my own personal opinion. I'm sorry. I don't want to offend anyone if this is your favorite book of the series. Hooray! There are so many great books in the series. Seriously, you should be able to you should be able to love all of them, or you know, hate hate, hate them, them if you want yeah. too. <laughs> I don't care. It's the beauty <laughs> of the series. Everyone can have a differing opinion. We can all like talk about it. I think it's just such a great way of making a social commentary in some ways too. Like mm-hmm. the reflection that's in fiction comes from the real world so often. So I don't know. It's one of the things that I like about it. And I do have a tendency, I was I was working on stuff for work the other day, and I had, I had two screens up, like I usually do when I'm researching for the show, and then the next swipe over is two pages up for the William Wells walking tour that I'm working on, and I'm like, oh, look, they're almost exactly the same. No wonder I love doing this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> research and writing? You betcha. I got this. It's just fun. I enjoy it. I really enjoy it, too. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. I know, right? <laughs> I got a lot of shit that takes up my time. But this is something that you know I love so, making time for. You know, it's so funny. I just opened up my notebook to scroll down notes, and here is our shadow spawn. My shadow spawn notes. From our episode? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> my notes are weird. <laughs> <laughs> I've got... <laughs> Zomara, zombie shits. <laughs> Merdral, uncanny valley. Jumara, worm? Question mark. They're uh, they're they're blight pollinators. Blight pollinators. Uh, let's talk. You know what? Let's 
talk about this real quick because this is my wacky loony theory. Ooh. The the Jumara worm actually is a blight pollinator, mm-hmm. and it turns into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. We just haven't seen them yet because I don't know why, but maybe they died out. Maybe they're an endangered species. <laughs> we don't really know. But the larval stage of the Jumara is the worm, and it's big and scary. So does anyone have a theory on where have all the where where the big Jumara go? It's really grown up ones. No, what they look like. I like those. I love that idea. I love the idea that they're they're naturally the blight pollinators because I mean, they're all those. How did it get there? Yeah, exactly. They're all those weird plants. Like, I mean, you you could say that it was the dark one. Sure, but it's so much more fun if it's a if it's a Jamara butterfly. I ordered the travel mug with that on it. I'm really excited. I I almost got the Wolf Brother travel mug, too. <laughs> travel mugs for everyone. I know. And it's bad because, like, I usually, like, I already have three travel mugs. I don't need another coffee travel mug. I just don't. But yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I can't wait for it to come in. I can't wait for all of the things that I got on our shop to come in. I we'll, be, know. we'll post pictures, I everyone. Will. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Okay. Okay. I think on that note, thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week, thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.